This week's podcast brought to you by Dennis Lobo's Lazy Man Tuna. Our youngest daughter's middle school is going to be putting on a play this year, and they held auditions um, just yesterday where the kids had to not only sing, but dance. They find out this weekend what role they are cast in, and then the next few months they will be um, practicing for this play. And I am delighted and cannot wait to hear the stories of middle school drama club, not middle school drama, but middle school drama club. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. Road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. So I've had two trips since our last podcast for Women's College Basketball Games. One of them was the geographically unsound travel for me to go from Hartford to Minneapolis West and then fly back east to land in Louisville. Um, I think just the time of day was what worked the best for me. It allowed me to go to kids' basketball games in the morning on a Saturday. Um, But I wanted to ask you um, about this. I was on the flight from... Minneapolis to Louisville, which I think was about an hour and a half, two hours maybe. There were two people sitting next to each other who just met, like, and they talked nonstop the entire flight. Nonstop. Nonstop. I can't think. Consensually? Yes. Yeah. It was like, it was certainly a conversation. It wasn't a diatribe by one side and the other one was forced to listen. It was two people engaging each other in what sounded to me like somewhat boring conversation, but clearly was not boring to them. But I was just thinking. Were they they hitting it off? No, they were um, like, both of them talked about their spouses and stuff. So it wasn't that kind of a conversation. Um, But I was thinking, is there anybody on this planet, present company, excluded, of course, or maybe included, that I would want to talk to for two straight hours. Like there was literally not a pause. It, there wasn't any break in the action for a commercial break. There was no lull, and then they start chatting again. It was a nonstop conversation. These are the same people who answer their door when uh, somebody knocks asking to hand them a pamphlet, and they invite them in for coffee. Could be. Please demonstrate your new vacuum cleaner. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I mean, they didn't seem like lonely people. They didn't seem like people who were, you know, desperate for conversation. They just seemed like two people who could really talk. And they were talking two straight hours. You haven't talked to me for the duration of any flight. Not more than 10 minutes. Nor would you want me to. Right? Like you sit on a flight, you're like, oh, relax. You like to read. I might be watching something. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know that. You, would you want me or anyone to talk to you for two straight hours? Well, you talk to me for two straight hours from eight to 10 or seven to nine when you're doing a basketball game and I'm watching. 
<laughs> but I'm talking I, at I you. I'm not really talking to you. I don't want you. it, but, but I'm enduring <laughs> There's it. commercial breaks there, though. There was no commercial breaks. There's no two-minute or even 30-second timeout breaks well, then, in then, this stranger conversation. Then let, me, let me amend that. When you're recording a podcast, you talk to me for 45 minutes straight. But the, but you interrupt? I, I guess this is as close as it gets. You and I having a podcast for 45 minutes, this is as close as it gets. I don't know. Could we Could we do this for two hours? Absolutely not. No, I don't think so. I don't think anyone would want us to. Well, clearly nobody wants us to. Um, and we have the numbers to back that up. <laughs> I just, I was, um, I was surprised by that. And then on my return trip, I flew, um, when I was leaving Louisville, I got on a plane, slightly smaller plane. This, and is, this is leaving Muhammad Ali International Airport. That's right. That's right. And I was leaving, and or I got on the plane, and I, the overhead bins, they weren't very big, were full. So I had to walk, you know, way past where my seat was to put my bag up. But they were full of, like, jackets and, like, ladies' hand, little purses. Pillbox hat cases? And, were and you flying in 1962? And stuff that should go under the seat in front of you. But no, people are taking the room for the rolly bags for, like, coats and... Meticulously folded? No, mushed in. The old Dennis Miller routine of uh, he's folding his blazer. The guy in front of me in the aisle is folding his blazer like he's in the color guard at Arlington National Cemetery. <laughs> that might have been better. It might have left more room. But I, the, He's gaffer taped a uh, string to a Frigidaire and he's trying to jam it into the overhead bin. The every bin. No, I would much. I would prefer a Frigidaire because that can't sit in the fit in the seat in front of you. Um, you would have to gate check the Frigidaire. Maybe. But it was, I was just Frigid like, Air, by the way, is a budget airline that I once flew in. <laughs> because it has no heat? Yes, no blankets. Um, and uh, anyway, I was, I was having some frustrations on my um, travel out to Louisville and then um, on my travel back. And I told you this the other day. This, this was a, another frustration, was getting gas, a cold, rainy day, cold and rainy. So paid, put the pump into the car, and it has one of those things where you can peg the pump, the handle, so you can get back in your car and not freeze. You rarely see those anymore. And not get wet. Yeah, usually they're removed. People often jam a, a prescription pill bottle into those things. Oh, do they? Yes. That's a really good idea. That's the life hack. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Well, I actually have a prescription pill bottle in the- um, It holds quarters for parking But it holds meters. quarters because it's been in, I've had it, in whatever car I've driven for the last 15 years when you actually might need to put money in a parking meter somewhere. You don't ever need to anymore, but I still have the pillbox and it's perfectly sized for quarters. Anyway, not two a pillbox, but a pill tube. What yeah, is the, that thing? The, the pill bottle. The two yeah. things that were that were perfectly repurposable were uh, little prescription bottles for to hold quarters mm -hmm. and Velveeta cheese boxes to hold baseball cards. Yes. Carry on. Yes. So cold, very cold and rainy. So I peg the gas pump handle. I get in the car and like two minutes later, the car's off. I'm not going to put gas in the car with it running. The pump stops and I hear a voice over a speaker say, you know, you have to be standing next to the gas pump while you're pumping gas by order of the fire marshal or something like that. Was this like so, the voice of God coming over the PA? Yes. So I stopped your pump. It's some, whoever the guy was inside working. Did you feel working. like publicly shamed? <laughs> no, but I felt publicly annoyed. 
it's rainy and cold and you're going to choose this moment to scold me about not standing out. So, so what do I do? I get out, I restart the pump, I peg it, and I just stand there. Still not like squeezing it. Um, I just didn't, I didn't know that was a thing. And, uh, and it, is it really necessary? Like would, would, am I okay if I'm smoking a cigarette no, while standing there? You're not there even supposed and, to use your smartphone. Well, sometimes you have to, cause that's how you're paying at the pump. Right. Um, anyway, I was, um, I was a little bit frustrated there. Like teach me this, this lesson, this fire hazard lesson on a mild sunny day. <laughs> Why are you scolding me on a cold and rainy day? By the way, can we just, uh, acknowledge that we've name dropped two of the great American, I assume American, uh, brand names of the past century, Frigidaire and Velveeta. Frigidaire and Velveeta. We can acknowledge it. I thought you were going to say two of the great names, Muhammad Ali. Well, I mean, of course, I mean, names of, of greats, but these are these are uh, just great brand names, Velveeta and Frigidaire. By the way, Is that like of, Velvet? Yeah, Velvet. Hmm. Velveeta. I never really thought about Velveeta having Velvet in its name. Well, it's a velvety brick of processed goodness <laughs> extruded through some kind of square tube. That would be a factory, like a video of a factory that might make you never eat the product again. <laughs> on the contrary, I, I, I would probably you'd want it. it's like turn on the. I just picture sort of like a faucet. Of course, turns, but it's square and blocks of yeah. velvet are just, they're just coming out just, of there. Just. Uh, Chopping, making a chopping motion with yes. a knife, and yes, yeah. There's probably a machine that does that now, but then and then it would get to the part where it where it it vacuum seals it in in that foil, yeah, that silver foil. Mm -hmm. uh, Velveeta and Frigidaire, Frigidaire and Velveeta would be a great uh, pair of, of 1970s detectives, but not as good as. And this is the only thing I have in my. In my phone notes, not as good as what did you say the room was that you had in um, in the arena at Tennessee? You didn't have an actual room; you had a room pipe constructed. Pipe and drape. Pipe and drape. Pipe and drape. Yes. You just dropped that in the conversation as if I was supposed to have heard of that before. We didn't have a room; we just had a we just had a pipe and drape. Right. It was a big pipe and drape. I was surprised you didn't know what I was talking about. Well, I, as soon as you said it, I knew what you're talking. But I just never heard it referred to that. Yeah, because some. Sometimes in arenas, there's like a green room where we can go and get changed. Um, or yes, or when we were at, uh, as we record this yesterday, was game day in Knoxville. So it was a big production for a pregame show. Live pregame show it was really cool. You should have said at the top of the hour that, at the top of the hour when we give traffic and weather, mm -hmm. that uh, this is a very rare, perhaps a first time ever, Friday recording of Friday. the Law Chain podcast. Yeah, we were, had so much going on on w Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, so it's, yes, Friday. So we, anyway, we had a lot of people, so, but we didn't have a room in the arena. We had, they made a room out of pipe and drape. <laughs> and, uh, but of course, like where the drapes come together, they sometimes like a curtain open and whatever you can see and doesn't matter. But, um, but yes, pipe and drape. I was mistaken when I said pipe and drape was the only thing in my, uh, notes on my phone. The other thing. And I, I barely recall what this was even referring to. 
last week. Mm-hmm. Artisanal small batch celery. Artisanal <laughs> small batch celery. Rebecca. I know what it was referring to. I was cleaning out the refrigerator on garbage day and I pulled out a thing of celery and I said to you, like, I bought the smallest batch of celery I could and it was still too big, like, how are, how are celery? Stalks. No, it wasn't two stalks. It was two clumps of stalks. You know, celery comes in a clump. I'm sure there's more uh, uh, accurate word for that. And we didn't use them all before they went bad. And I said, I wish you could buy celery, in at least in our grocery store, in like a bag that only had one cl- clump instead of the two clumps. Because there's probably, I don't know, eight stalks on a clump or whatever. And I just needed it one day just to, to add to tuna fish. So I had all this celery that had since gone bad and i was wishing that there was smaller batches of celery so I, nothing would go to waste I, I now remember when i when i used to fly frigid air they would come by with the celery cart and ask one clump or two <laughs> and not to make this podcast solely about celery though i think it it should be primarily about celery is there a, is there a specific moment when celery goes from snappy, crispy to to rubbery and inedible? There's a process, certainly, because sometimes... Matter of two days? Yeah, because it's perfect and crisp and, you know, green it's, and white. And, same thing happens to iceberg lettuce. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you're like, maybe a couple of the stalks are still okay, but they're starting to brown, and then you're going to chop them up, and it no longer is like, slice 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 instead it's like well you know it's just harder to cut the rubbery stuff and um yeah we, we only use it as an additive for tuna salad am i am i right uh for the most part yeah that's our sometimes sometimes i make soup with it um, every, every once in a rare while it's a, it's a, a french onion dip delivery system sometimes but mostly it's oh we're gonna make some tuna fish for lunch for the kids let's you know, tuna fish is, I, I think I might have said this before. I knew my mom and dad, they would make our, our lunches when we were in middle school and high school. And I knew when my mom made this the tuna and I knew when my dad made it. Because when my mom made it, it had celery in it and chopped up onion too. And it was so good. My dad made it, no celery, no chopped up onion. Celery and onion. So two snappy, crispy, crunchy yes, that's things. how we make it here. And um, it was just the tuna and mayonnaise and it just simply isn't the same. I think I think that was put on the menu as lazy man's tuna. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Um I in fact, that that should be branded. That that would be the small batch artisanal uh condiment that America needs. Dennis Lobo's lazy man tuna. <laughs> oh yes, that could be on a that could be on a menu somewhere. And like he he'd be on the on the label like the Gortons of Gloucester fishermen. Mm-hmm. Because what sounds more appealing or less appealing than lazy man's tuna? <laughs> Dennis Lavo's lazy man's tuna. I I, I think we I think uh, producer Denny Gallagher should contact the uh, lazy man's tuna people and see if we can secure a sponsorship from Dennis Lobo's lazy man's tuna. Uh, yes, maybe. I mentioned that I was in uh, Knoxville, flying into their airport. I landed late at night, and uh, I needed to get an Uber to go to go to the hotel. And uh, so I order the Uber, and I come down. It's not a very big airport, 
and I come down into the baggage claim and I'm looking around and I see signs for taxis and signs for other stuff. I don't see any signs for rideshare. So walking walking to where the taxis are thinking, well, that would make sense. It's not there. Walking around, still not there. The, the driver texts me and says, kind of gives me directions where to go. Come out of the airport, take a right, go down. And then there's a woman at the bottom of the escalator, you know, the people who help with information, you know, can I help you with something? And I said, yeah. I said, where do your ride shares pick up? And uh, she pointed to, towards the door and the direction to go. I said, do you guys not like signage for that? She points up. I kid you not. It is a sign the exact size of a CD case. It's square and relatively tiny. And it's like up, you know, up where, and it's not even in the same place where like the signs are that point towards taxis and whatever else. And I was just like, okay, <laughs> I'm supposed to see that when it's not even where the other signs are, literally the size of a CD case. So anyway, when I got in the car, my driver was super, super nice and he said, um, I just told him, I said, I'm sorry to make you wait. I just couldn't find where I was supposed to go. And he said, yeah, they're not big fans of the ride share here at this airport. I said, well, clearly, because they barely have any signage up. But if you fly into Knoxville Airport, go down to the baggage claim, take a right, not a left, and uh, you'll find where you need to go if you're looking for a ride share. If you're looking for a taxi, go left. This has been news you can use. Yes. If you're ever flying into the Knoxville Airport yes. looking for your ride share driver, Take a right at the bottom of the escalator? Yes. And once you get to baggage claim, if you're looking for taxi, take a left and just keep going. Well, we have voluminous viewer mail, Rebecca. Shall we get to it? Let's get to it. Big bad look, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. The first... Uh, Email comes to ballandchainpod at gmail.com is from um, is from Damien. Damien's header is first time. All right. Hello, Damien. Welcome. Dear Rebecca and Steve, I hope this email finds you well. First time, short time. I discovered your podcast in August. Nice. My name is Damien. Points for pronouncing it correctly. Well, Damien DeJulian. Points for pronouncing it correctly. And I am the head men's ice hockey coach at St. Michael's College up here in beautiful Burlington, Vermont. Hello. Home to former UConn Husky player and now coach Morgan Valley. I saw Morgan yesterday. It is my hope that I now become the resident college ice hockey coach of the Ball and Chain Pod. Absolutely, well, yes. Clearly, I mean, that, that that vacancy is is now filled. Mm -hmm. We don't even have a resident basketball coach, do we? I don't think we, we do. have various basketball coaches, but I don't know that any has formally ever written in applied for the position. No. Originally from just outside New Haven, I'm here to tell you no self-respecting Connecticutonian would ever pronounce button, button. The T's are just not there. Just as they would never order pizza from Domino's instead of from modern a pizza pronounced a beats. Button. He's right. It's all about the button. Uh, would never order pizza from Domino's instead of from modern a beats, Sally's, or Pepe's in that order. Hmm. Interesting. The New Haven pizza debate is yes. uh, one that's a real rabbit hole. You can go down. It is. Bar New Haven also, the uh, the uh, the uh, mashed potato pizza there mm -hmm. is, is a delight. Probably eaten it at, at Pepe's more than any place else on this list. 
I found your podcast this past August and thoroughly enjoy listening to your show and the humor you both find in the minutia of life. While listening, I often find myself thinking of the George Costanza line from Seinfeld when he says to Jerry, you see, this could be a show. Uh, uh, exactly. I got a show Seinfeld lit line into the broadcast yesterday. Did you? I didn't see it. Ryan was, uh, Ryan Rucco, play-by-play, was talking about Lou, Lou Lopez, Seneschal for UConn, had a monster game and... He said something about her pretty jump shot or her shooting form or something. And I said, it's real and spectacular. Oh, and I got a laugh at least out of my producer back in the truck. <laughs> Excellent. Um, a great name, Lou Lopez Seneschal. I appreciate the little things as well as and find them funny to discuss with like-minded friends and family, although I do drive my own family nuts with this. Uh, much like uh, Dr. Siegel, who, who seems to enjoy topics we cover on the podcast yet his extended family uh is baffled by his interest apathetic or, or horrified or actively uh ignoring absolutely i know i'm more than a few weeks removed but i wanted to share my thoughts on rebecca's disdain for high school level boys soccer players yelling out a loud f-bomb when something goes wrong i too find this really maddening maddening and as a coach of 18 to 23 18 to 23 year old young men it's something we deal with on a yearly basis. Usually in the first week of the season, the player will make a mistake or miss an easy play and inevitably yell out a loud F-bomb. I then have to bring the team in and explain once again my strict no loud F-bomb policy. Personally, I find it to be a phony display of anger. In my experience, these guys are doing it more out of embarrassment than anger, and they also want to show everyone else around them how, quote, how much they care. So true. Yes. Don't you, don't, do you agree with that, Rebecca, in, in any sport? Yes. There's often a, 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 theatrical, an Austin, component. a theatrical display of yes. how much I care manifested by uh, punching a wall or breaking a, breaking a uh, water cooler with a baseball bat, something yes. like that. Yes. It drives me crazy and I can't stand it when other coaches or teams allow it. So thank you for bringing it up on the pod. Keeping with the high school sports theme, I commiserate with you, Rebecca, on your there has to be a a better way thought on leaving and entering the high school gym for basketball games. I often find myself commenting to my aforementioned family about ways to improve certain harebrained ideas around all things sports. However, I usually find an AD, a manager, or a coach and kindly point out how they, in fact, could do something differently. As you can imagine, this just thrills my wife and kids. <laughs> Beck, I was thinking last night at a boys' basketball, high school basketball this game. This is you speaking. This is me speaking, yeah. yeah. Not Damien to Julian. Mm-hmm. Uh, our resident ice hockey coach. Yes. This is me speaking. You ought to hand out laminated cards um, when you go into a gym that, that say, uh, if you have nothing to say, you can always say one of these three things. Mm-hmm. And what, what those three things would be travel, travel three and, seconds. And one. And and one. Yeah. Travel. Remember, if you have nothing to say, no knowledge of basketball. You can either say nothing. Well, saying nothing is, is I mean, I, I that would be the best option. Yes. But it clearly, for many people, it's just not an option. Yes. They have to be yelling something with yeah. a vein popping. And the, the three things, if you really want to fit in, travel and one, three seconds. Mm, no, you're right. Do you, do you agree? Yes, without question. Steve, as a native Minnesotan, I assume you played your fair share of park hockey games growing up. I mean, how can you be from Minnesota and not have played ice hockey? I'd love to hear some stories if you have them. Well, I, I mean, I played, I played countless games of of hockey in the park. Um, you know, pond hockey is a big thing in Minnesota. I, I, I didn't play 
pond hockey. You know, every once in a while, there was. I, I do remember skating on a frozen lake with a hockey stick. Not a lake. It was probably a pond. Um, but the big things were boot hockey, which is not wearing skates but playing hockey um, on ice. It was kind of a, a relative of broom ball, which is another big thing in Minnesota, and street hockey, mm-hmm. which is we all know what that is. But um, but then I played organized hockey up until up through sixth grade when I switched to basketball. Mm-hmm. I was tired of a lot of that in in the in the town Bloomington Athletic Association. The BAA was outdoors, standing in a snowbank, uh, waiting for 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 your line to go out. And the the most glorious bit of, of hockey and skating outdoors in Minnesota was the the warming house, as any Minnesotan can attest. The mm. warming house, the little the little I don't know what you would call it a, a, a twenty five by fifteen foot made room from? made of wood with mm. a roof, uh, and it was warm in there. And you would go in there, wooden floor. You you, I, you can hear the the stomping of boots, the stomping of skates in there to warm up your toes. And mm-hmm. sometimes people would have a cup of a thermos of hot chocolate or something, and that's where you would wait for. Your mom or dad, or your friend's mom or dad, to pick you up also when you were done skating. So, uh, every, and, and just such a great name, a warming house, you know. Mm-hmm. Lastly, writes Damien, one of my favorite coaching days for me over the past few years has been my yearly journey down to stores to watch the UConn women's hoops team practice. I have gotten to know Gino and the staff a little bit, and it's a great experience to watch the best in the business work. I learn a ton each time I go, and I assume I'm the only hockey coach in the country that makes this yearly journey. How interesting is that, Rebecca? Super interesting. That, I love uh, it. I mean, because that they're they're always uh, hosting basketball coaches who mm-hmm. just want to be better and mm-hmm. and learn. Um, but it's it, it makes sense that you know why not if you're a coach of another sport, go learn how it's it's so much of it is about teaching and yes. and managing young. And how you structure your practice and how you handle your players. I mean, it's it's there's certainly a crossover between sports. There always seems to be at least one alumnus at the practice, writes Damien, although I've not seen Rebecca there yet. Maybe next time. Thanks for all the relaxational laughs on some long drives this summer and fall. Send me your T-shirt sizes offline, and I'll be sure to throw a couple of St. Mike's hockey T-shirts in the mail for you. Amazing. So well, I have a couple questions. Well, well, oh, okay, go ahead. For Damien. Yeah. So number one. Um, like showboating in basketball mid-game has become a problem. Uh, you know, players going in, making a shot, or making a shot from the perimeter, you know, doing the bow and arrow, or the celebrating the You're three. You're too short, or, and all that stuff. Yeah, all that nonsense. nonsense. Does that exist in hockey? It feels like you can't. The game's way too fast to be able to celebrate something other than a goal. So curious about that. And um, retribution is a uh, is swifter and oh yeah. More I wonder if that, that stuff would would get out of basketball if there was a like checking into the boards kind of retribution. I'm guessing so. Um, no, because I think everybody in basketball now has accepted it as as you know part of the fun of the game. Do it, it, it doesn't even seem to offend most NBA players at this point. Yeah, that's true. What offends NBA players appropriately so is when. Eight-year-olds do it, as in a recent viral video, and um, some of them liked it. I'm sure some of them did, but um, but uh, but the other thing was when he was talking talking about you know hockey players, the f bomb, and it's more a thing of show than actual frustration. Um, 
This happened maybe two weeks ago and it absolutely delighted me. So I'm coaching a team of sixth, seventh, and eighth grade girls. We have a basketball game and our best player um, throws like a full court pass down to one of the kids who's running. Kid catches the ball and has a clear layup. But instead, because she's 12 and in seventh grade, she stops and takes like a like a five-footer in front of the rim, which is a really tough shot for anybody, but especially a kid that age. So in the next little huddle, I bring him in and I just said to that kid and to the whole team, said, um, you know, if you can, always take the dribble and see if you can get the layup because off the backboard, that's a much easier shot than right there. So the kid who made the pass, who is by far like the most experienced player, really good player, talented player, she looks, as I, after I say this, she looks at the kid who missed the shot and, and says, I could have also given you a better pass. Number one, no, she couldn't have. The pass was right on the money. But it told me everything I needed to know about this kid. Like, there was no showboating, you know, no saying something in frustration that you're not actually feeling. It was instead, this is what it means to be a great teammate. You... And everybody recognizes that this kid is the most skilled player on the team. And she's also the oldest player. You, as that kid, basically saying, teammate, I've got your back. I'll take responsibility, even when it wasn't her fault. It was just, that is real. Like, that's the real, the real stuff that it just, it warmed my heart. Like, okay, this kind of kid still does exist in like youth sports. I mean, that that's the best you know, because we, we tend to notice and focus on the opposite of that kind of behavior, both from players, fans, coaches, referees, Well, because whatever. there's so much more of the opposite behavior, it feels like, than there is of the true teammate, I'm going to make you better. It's not about me. It's about us. Um, it was a, a delightful interaction. Uh, so thank you, uh, Damien, our resident men's, or re- not men's, our resident ice hockey coach with the ball and chain. Yeah, we don't podcast. have any ice hockey coaches, That's whether correct. it's men's hockey or women's hockey. Our next uh, viewer mail. And I'll wear the shirt proudly, by the way. Absolutely. Uh, our next viewer mail comes from Jim, our Canadian resident, resident Canadian. Hello, Jim. And Jim writes, hi, Rebecca and Steve. I'm a near completionist, but I am an episode behind. I just heard your discussion of persevere versus persevere. My wife and usually my wife and I usually co-solve crosswords over breakfast. And one morning I tried to enter persevere, 10 letters, in a nine-letter space. She corrected me with, it's persevere. There's no second R. As I filled in the correct answer, I said, yes, there is, right here, as I pointed to the second to last letter. <laughs> I did not get the roar of laughter I expected. <laughs> you and I, remember you and I used to do crosswords together? Yes. Which, of course, meant I would fill in everything I could, and then I'd hand it to you to finish. <laughs> now, now you, I, I fill them in online, on my phone, on the New York Times crossword app, which- It's uh, still so much better with the paper it's, in your it's hand. It's less satisfying, and, yeah. but uh, it has a kind of ruthless efficiency. Like everything else in, in modern life, it, it has a kind of- uh, joyless efficiency that I've come to expect from 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 pretty much all uh, uh, 2023 pursuits. Mm. Joyless efficiency joyless is your motto for 2023. Well, it's not my motto. I, I'm just, it's just what... what um, I like the efficiency part, but why can't it be joyful or joy-filled well, efficiency? You, you know what I'm saying. Oh, there's a, there's a, there's a uh, epic movie out 
I can't wait to watch that on uh, on my uh, uh, right. eight inch iPad screen. You know, right, right. Uh, yeah. So there has been a I, I, joyless is the wrong word. Joyful. I should have I should have said joyful efficiency. Yeah. Thank you, Jim, uh, for persevering here. And our next viewer mail, Rebecca, is in uh, is from Tom in Pennsylvania, but it's in the uh, kind of 1950s typewriter font. Oh, delightful. It is delightful. And, and and Tom writes, greetings from the past, appropriately enough. Hello, Rebecca and Steve. I'm working my way through your podcast, starting at the beginning, hoping someday to reach the exalted status of completionist. I recently finished listening to numbers 178 and 179 from August of 2021, where you discussed the roles of captain and stoker on a bicycle built for two. <laughs> BB42. That was... 2021 gosh time flies Rebecca let me let, let me just pause here for a moment and, and let's rank the the pairings that we've had so far in this podcast we have uh, Frigidaire and Velveeta pipe and drape captain and Stoker ball and chain which of these would make the the best uh, pair of of a by the book and and rogue detective uh, my, bi- my bigger question is ball and chain, the and is the plus sign. Yeah. What would it be for the others? Would it be the word and? Would it be an ampersand? Would it be a plus sign? Pipe and drape. Um, I, I would go with a, with a, with an ampersand. Frigidaire and Velveeta. Same. And uh, Captain and Stoker is, uh, is you know. I'm going to go with a, the word there, the and. Well, let, let, let's, uh, let's return to Tom's email. Okay. Attached is a photo from a long ago, late 1980s, of my soon-to-be wife and me on side-by-side BB-42 that her brother, a mechanical engineer, built in his spare time. And indeed, Rebecca, uh, in nearly matching rugby shirts, well, he's in a rugby shirt. He's in, in, a, in a rugby shirt that I owned. She's in a rugby shirt. Am I wrong? Oh, no. I mean, Those are great rugby great shirts. Is one of them shirts. maroon and gold? One of them looks like uh, uh, University of Minnesota Golden Go for maroon and gold. Um, and they are on a, that is a side-by-side. Look at that, side-by-side. Wow. Because we talked about, you know, uh, tandem sofas and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Amazing. As I recall, while uh, the starting and stopping was fairly easy, it was the act of turning right or left, let alone staying in a straight line that took a good deal of communication and collaboration. I'm glad he says his future wife, his soon-to-be wife, because um, communication and collaboration is important. Important, and and this could have this could have been a deal breaker right here. Now that I think about it, perhaps it should be required writing for all prospective couples. Where well, there he goes, we must have navigated correctly as our marriage still exists, as does the bicycle. I would guess that we each took then and continued and continue to do now turns being both the captain and the stoker. Nice. And the midnight toker. <laughs> if my calculations are correct, should you happen to discuss this one on your upcoming podcast on one of your upcoming podcasts, I'll hear it around June of 2024. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to it. Regards, Tom. Well, Tom, let me just say greetings from greetings from the past from us since you'll be listening to this. Two For years sure. from now, yeah. So, so uh, Damien was the first time, right? First time yes. caller. Well, this comes from Sean S E A N, who writes short time, first time. Ready? 
I'm ready. Hello, Rebecca and Steve with an ampersand. Short time, first time here. In answer to a recently ongoing question, I sought and found the podcast as a result of an online search to learn more about Rebecca Lobo. After learning of your nuptials at the conclusion of thoroughly enjoying Knights in White Castle, a book I picked up after thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying Stingray Afternoons, which I eagerly read with great interest due to my affinity for Schwinn Stingray Bicycles and prompted by Steve's endorsement blurb on the cover of Andy Mulvihill's Action Park, Fast Times, Wild Rides, and the Untold Story of America's Most Dangerous Amusement Park. I myself survived Action Park, as the t-shirts say, in the summer of 1984. Did you experience Action Park, Steve? I did not. I experienced Action Park through Andy Mulvihill's uh, wonderful book, Action Park, about the world's most dangerous, uh, unintentionally, amusement park, Action Park, New Jersey, which was not far from producer Denny Gallagher's uh, childhood home and now now uh, museum. I began last thing. Well, let me let me just say let me just say um, about Action Park uh, and producer Denny Gallagher, who's not here to to explicate, but um, uh, Denny Denny wrote to me yesterday that uh, he grew up in Vernon right next to Action Park. Wow. Then he says, uh, the owner of Action Park bought the former Playboy Club built by Hugh Hefner a half mile down the road, and in 1989, Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor shot a sequence of see no evil, hear no evil there. Uh, I can't emphasize, says Denny, how small a town Vernon is, but this list of people who performed at that hotel's cabaret room is wild, and and indeed, almost every nightclub performer and, and uh, you know, Blast from the Past, Milton Berle, Tony Bennett, Pearl Bailey, Frankie Avalon, George Carlin, Red Buttons, Alan King. Red who? Red Buttons. Buttons. Red Buttons, I'm sorry. Little Richard. Rich, Little Richard and Rich Little. The euphony of that. Um, I think these are the same people who made the rounds of the Carlton Celebrity Room in my hometown of Bloomington, Minnesota. Anyway, that's, that's an aside. Um, Sean, let me get back to your email. I began listening with what was at that time the latest episode, Expedish and Antisocial Norms, January 5th, number 235. I have since enjoyed each subsequent episode in addition to past episodes back to the October 26th, Seth Bladder and Flatbed Floppers. Like the books, I am thoroughly enjoying. Well, thank you, Sean. Some enumerated observations in no particular order except numerical. One, I, like Steve, am one who works from home and also like Steve with active kids often feel like a personal Uber. Some days I wonder how I get any work done. Well, clearly some days you don't. You don't get any work done. Right. Two, thank you, Steve, for correcting the mispronunciation of persevere. In my experience, I'd guess it is incorrectly pronounced uh, eight and a half times out of 10. Until now, I thought I was the only one who noticed. Eight and a half times out of 10, that would be 85% of the time, right? That's Everybody? right, yeah. Well done. A f- twice persevere, persevere has come up in the viewer mail this week, Rebecca. Hmm. Three, a few episodes back, you were discussing sisters having babies at the same time. You also mentioned that it would have made a good 80s movie scenario. Well, it sort of almost did. If I'm not mistaken, 1995's Father of the Bride Part 2 includes a storyline in which Steve Martin frantically runs back and forth between the simultaneous baby deliveries of his wife Nina, Diane Keaton, and daughter Annie, Kimberly Williams. Of course, hilarity ensues. I don't think I saw Father of the Bride 2. I saw Father of the Bride 1 with Martin, with the, with the, uh, the I would say the insuperable Martin Short mm-hmm. playing Frank, the uh, wedding coordinator, right? Mm-hmm. 
Kimberly Williams, of course, is the wife of Pete Sampras. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And Diane Keaton is Diane Keaton. Four, birthday clumping. I and my two brothers' birthdays are all within seven days in late March. Three brothers all within all a week of each other in March. Days. Wow. Five, I work in motorsport and automotive television. DGS's Formula One reports are incredibly impressive. Imagine my surprise to discover motorsport content included regularly with a non-motorsport podcast. If interested, you really should visit Lime Rock Park sometime. It's in Lakeville, Connecticut, and is beautiful. I've, I've seen that dateline and, and um, news from Lime Rock Park countless times. I've, I've been past Lime Rock Park. I've never been in or to Lime Rock Park, Rebecca. Hmm. Six, this is out of eight, memory-triggering smells. Even just a waft of charter bus diesel exhaust brings me immediately back to junior high ski club in the early 80s. This is particularly the case in the cold of winter. I can smell it now. Mm-hmm. Me too. Seven, is the street on which you live actually called Happiness Lane? <laughs> How great if it was. I mean, I, I, there must be a Happiness Lane somewhere. In my brain, our efficient, and what was the word? You're a... Uh... Not joyless, joy-filled efficiency. Yeah. We also live on Happiness Lane. Yeah, we do not actually live on Happiness Lane, but somebody must, right? You would Happiness think. Lane is the brainchild or lane child of Tom, Dick, and Harry. That's right. Eight, and finally, if this has not been covered recently, can you tell us a bit more about the circumstance of your first meeting at the Harp Pub in NYC? Enjoying the podcast each week. Each week. Much thanks. Sean. Sean is in Indianapolis, by the way. Thank you, Sean. Thanks for finding us. Um, it's, it's actually the... Dublin House, which has a giant neon pink harp as its as its sign, that harp uh, was recently, in the last year or two, restored to pristine condition. It was, yeah, it was. So it it glows beautifully in pink and green. Now we have to get a uh, uh, a nice photograph of that for sure in all of its glory. And uh, the story's been told many times, but just real quickly, I was out with a friend of mine drinking. Rebecca was out with a mutual friend. Uh, having a drink and uh, there is a difference between the two and yes uh, that's why you were doing one and i was doing the other (laughs) and um i showed up with my buddy at uh dublin house not knowing that rebecca was there not knowing rebecca knowing who she was and we met and um and i think rebecca immediately uh, was intrigued by this uh Something like that. Yeah, something like that. But um, that's it. That's that's about it, right? Rebecca? Yeah. And uh, twenty-three months later, we were married. And finally, thank you, Sean. Finally, Rebecca. Yes. We have Doctor Gary Siegel. Ah, uh, Doctor Siegel. Dear Rebecca and Steve, writes DGS, once again, it's Monday night and I'm guilty as charged for procrastinating as I had time to have composed my note last night, but instead I watched two hours of junk TV, which was relaxing, actually. He makes no apologies and I like it. Yeah, he shouldn't. One day I'll learn that reading a good book beats bad TV, but until then, but I digress. I wonder what Dr. Sequel is watching. One, one, one of your daughters asked about her uvula. The uvula was addressed in a clever Saturday Night Live skit in 1976. Sadly, I was not able to find the video, but the punchline delivered by Chevy Chase, the doctor, to Gilda Radner, Babs, the patient, was, it'll behoove you to take care of your uvula. (laughs) The link to the script is below, and indeed, he encloses a link to the script. 
Two, in the last podcast, you both mentioned that one of your children was studying the American Revolution. Intermittently, our English son-in-law refers to the rest of our family as traitors. <laughs> as, as he would. Well done, yes. Three, I'm also proud to let you know that while it is the Formula One off-season, unless there aren't any Formula One podcasts, the Ball and Chain pod has moved up from Sunday or Monday viewing to Fridays or Saturdays, again, always saving the best podcast for last. Of course, he has his Fridays and Saturdays free now that there's no... Uh, uh, F1 qualifying. Four, Emily from Atlanta has delivered at Piedmont Hospital in Atlanta proper. I've practiced in North Suburban Hospitals, so our paths have not crossed. However, there is an obstetrician gynecologist, Dr. Gabriella Siegel, no relation, at that hospital, and occasionally our mail has crossed. Rebecca, there is a DGS OBGYN. A she. A she. And occasionally their not mail Dr. has Gary crossed. Not Dr. Gary Siegel, Dr. Gabriella Siegel. Crazy. Five, I hope that Ralph is better soon. And yes, medical billing and many medical hospital processes are far from perfect. We second that, hoping that Ralph is better soon. Six, as we've been talking about places that do or don't take cash, I would like to share a tip from my older brother that I just learned. He keeps a few single dollar bills in an envelope in his car's console for tips and various things. I've now created a similar envelope with a few singles and larger bills for ease. It's incredibly practical and very wise of him. Yes. Rebecca, perhaps you should update your prescription bottle. Can uh, roll up stack. some singles and shove them in there? Well, no, I think an envelope would be a more appropriate uh, receptacle yeah, for, true, for, true. for singles. The kids today in high school had a dress down day if they could bring in $2. I, I, I couldn't find enough singles for the two of them, so I gave them a 10 spot. I didn't know because I wasn't here that they had a dress down day. So um, I, I went upstairs a little bit ago and our son's school shoes, because they wear a uniform, were sitting in front of you know his area. And I was thinking, what did he wear to school today? So yeah. I'm glad they had a dress down day. You wore a UConn day. hoodie, actually. Seven, with technology being what it is, this old doctor sometimes goes into a patient room at the hospital and forgets a piece of paper on which to make notes. Paper towels work just fine, and along with a new pen, just like the Russian child needed for midterm exams, I'm able to use this low-technology solution to make notes, and, wait for it, I've never had to restart a pen or paper. <sighs> True that, right, well Rebecca? Eight, the viewers are doubtlessly aware that there cannot be any other podcast in which both Uncle Fester and Gilligan are covered in the same episode. Kudos to our hosts. Um, well, I mean, I, th I think... I mean, it's not like we're, we're discussing Velveetas and Frigidaires. These are things that are that are two two of these things are just like the other. Right. Nine in breaking Atlanta Braves TV news, Harry Carey the third, also known as Chip Carey, the son of Skip and grandson of Harry Carey, will be joining his hometown St. Louis Cardinals next season. I did see that. Ten. This email was prepared without his use of chatbot GBT or any cryptocurrency. Uh, timely reference there. Mm -hmm. 11. Lastly, Steve, I never would want to embarrass you, but with respect to the New York Times spelling bee, do you achieve the highest level, genius, daily? I usually can get to amazing, one notch below genius, and sometimes can get to genius. Viewers want to know. Well, uh, Dr. Siegel, I will say with only mild embarrassment that there is a level higher than genius, and that's called Queen Bee. So if you get all of the words in the spelling bee, you reach the status of queen bee. And I and I would say I reach that status maybe five times a week. The, the, the days that I don't are days when I realize I can't spend three hours doing the New York Times spelling bee. But it's a great time killer uh, in parking lots waiting for your kids to come out of school or whatever you're waiting for. 
but yes, Dr. Siegel, Queen Bee, unlock it. It's, um, it's, the trouble is you don't know exactly how many words you're going for. 11, lastly, Steve, I never would want to, oh, that, we got to 11, right? All the best, again, without much proofing, but using MS Word as a crutch. Gary, but, uh, but uh, Dr. Siegel sends an attachment uh, having achieved the genius level on the spelling bee. Congratulations. So, congratulations. I don't, you know, congratulations. I don't want people to think that now, well, if they haven't achieved Queen B, it's they shouldn't certainly be proud of genius level. He also um, attaches a, a, another addendum that is a link for Wordle replay. I don't think you can keep your totals, but you can choose the date to play. I didn't realize that there was a it's wordlereplay.com. I didn't realize that there were archived Wordles because the Wordle usually is up for 24 hours. Then it changes to a new one the next day. Mm -hmm. And um, you can't play it again, much like Spelling Bee. But anyway, that's 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 that. I was going to say that's all we have. But that, that was plenty. I thought it was great. Well, that's, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. So now we say thank you to Denny Gallagher. Denny Gallagher of, of Vernon, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Tom DeCari. Please play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and ambiguous While we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane